Well, bless your hearts. You have two preachers in the house, and you got to listen to me. That's, that's not good. I want you to do me a favor like you did the preacher. When I get up and forget everything I know, you holler and tell me what I'm supposed to say like you did with him. I, I could use that too. So, uh, What I'd like to speak with you tonight uh, is something kind of close and personal. Is serving God convenient? How committed are we? Is serving God convenient? You know, in, in 1927, a store opened up in Irving, Texas, and all it sold was ice. That's the only thing it sold. As, as time would have it, though, it, it added some things to its line, you know, some staples that people get, like drinks and beverages, you know, I guess milk and other things. Um, and it actually even changed its, its hours and it stayed open later and opened up earlier than a lot of stores. And uh, it actually started opening from 7 to 11. And you know, the name of the store is 7-Eleven. And it, it's the convenience store. And uh, it was born. And actually, I don't know if you know this, but Toyota studied this store. Sure did. Uh, what they did is they, they replenished the shelves and sold things and with very low overhead and they had on the shelf and, and the a major concept of the Toyota production system is just in time. And that's how that was born. Actually, a Japanese uh, uh, person bought this store by the name is Ito Yokoto in 1991. Now you don't care about all that, but there are now 78,000 stores worldwide uh, on this 7-Eleven. And uh, why, why are they open? It is because of the basic necessities. And it is for our convenience. That's what it's about. All right? Now, Americans like convenience. I like convenience. Uh, I don't want to drive very far to a store. Do you? I mean, I, I like to have one closer. I want the store to be open whenever I want it to be open. Uh, I want to have the products that I want. Um, we don't want to wait too long in line. All right, just a minute, I've been getting a, a message. Can you hear me? Is it too loud? Okay. All right, I'm just getting one of those messages that I need to respond, but I don't know how to respond. <laughs> so I'll just continue. Has the quest for convenience affected our churches. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, each of us should ask this rather personal question. All right. Are we only Christians when it's convenient? Now that's why I paused. Are we only Christians when, uh, you know, uh, or do we... Uh, is it not convenient because the company's coming over and we got to stay home and make food for them? It's not convenient to, to go to church, right? Or uh, maybe uh, our sons and our daughters and our grandpas are involved in all this extracurricular activity and we got to go support that. It's not convenient to serve the Lord. Or we have to 
purchase some of these toys like cars and homes and all this stuff, all these toys that we have, and we don't support the work of the Lord, uh, is it because it's not convenient? None of us would say it's not convenient to serve the Lord, would we? We wouldn't say that. But yet, yet our, our actions speak for us sometimes. Uh, I wrote a paper in school, in school. It's called Sunday Morning Christians. You know, uh, back in the 60s and 70s, they, Sunday morning, about, about every church family went to church. About 50% went to church. Weekly. Today, it's twenty percent. Now, so so it's it's we don't even have Sunday morning Christians anymore. <laughs> you know, we we don't even have that. Um, what does it take to be a Christian when it's not convenient? What does it take to be a Christian when it's not convenient? And I'm going to tell you what it requires. Commitment. It requires com- commitment. Uh, there is a missionary, uh, and I, this, I'll quote this from Reader's Digest in August of 89. It says this. When David Livingston, the missionary pioneer, was working in Africa, some friends wrote, we would like to send other men to you. Have you found a good road into your area yet? Livingston wrote back, If you have men who will only come if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. Wow. I mean, that's pretty good. And In the leadership, uh, it's a publication in 1988, I guess it... uh, there was a cartoon of a church, and on that church, on the billboard, it said, a light church, L-I-T-E, a light church. Get it? Get it? 24% fewer commitments, home of the 7.5% tithe, 15-minute sermons, 45-minute worship service, uh, and we only have eight commandments, your choice. And furthermore, the millennium is only 800 years. (laughs) Everything you wanted in a church and less. And less. Um, As one pastor put it, 90% of our parishes across the country require less commitment than the local Kiwanis Club. And this was back in 1982 that he wrote that. I wonder what it is now. Now, uh, not all convenience is bad. No one wants to go back like whenever I was born and raised in a house with no air conditioner, do we? We don't do that. We don't have to saddle up Betsy and put the saddle on her and come to church. We like to start the car and come in our car, don't we? I mean, so not all conveniences are, are, are bad. But down through the ages, uh, God has done a significant work, I think, to the people who are committed to him. He doesn't work through the lukewarm. Did you hear me? He doesn't. He doesn't work through the lukewarm. Okay? He works through the committed. So what does commitment look like? 
uh, you thought I would never get to it. Turn to Genesis 6.13. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to run out of time. I used to give myself plenty of time. The preacher took all my time tonight. Uh, Genesis 6.13 says this, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Uh, room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Now, some scholars think it took 120 years. I'm not going to get into that debate uh, as far as how long it took for him to build the ark. But I'm going to say it took a long time. Uh, and I'm sure there were people going by there saying, what are you doing? What are you doing building this ark? Not only had there not been a flood, evidently there hadn't been any rain. What are you doing building this ark? I can see the ridicule now. But Noah was in it for the long haul, wasn't he? He was, he, he was in it for the long haul. He didn't quit. Uh, actually, uh, in Luke 9.62, in the interest of time, I'm going to just quote these. You can write them down or turn to them. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit. For the kingdom of God. Well, that's pretty rough, isn't it? All right. And then uh, Hebrews 10.39 says this. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. True commitment never quits. All right. As in the case of Noah. Are you in it for the long haul? Okay. Second thing, putting your, someone ahead of yourself, I'm going to call it selflessness. Selflessness. Turn to Ruth 1.16. Ruth 1.16. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. It would have been easy for Ruth to have gone back to her home place, wouldn't it? Her sister went. It would have been easy, you know. Um, Naomi couldn't provide for herself, but Ruth went to the fields gleaning. She was a real good example of selflessness putting someone else ahead of yourself. And Jesus put it best when he was on the cross, uh, when he's facing death on the cross, in Luke twenty-two forty-two, he said this, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now, isn't that the perfect example of selflessness? All right. Doing the Father's will, doing for start. Next thing I'm going to say is doing something with all your might. Second Samuel six fourteen. I'll give you just a second. Second Samuel six fourteen. And David danced before the Lord. I know you Baptists have trouble with that, but anyway, with all his might. 
And David was girded with a linen ephod. Now, why was David doing this with all his might? You know the story. The Philistines had come against Israel. Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle. The ark was taken as a spoil of war. David was trying to return the ark. And this guy named Uzzah did what we thought would be a good thing. He tried to steady the ark because it was falling over and the Lord smote him. All right. Seems harsh, doesn't it? But that's, that's the way it was. All right. So here's David bringing back this ark. <laughs> now, I'll tell you what, if your life depended on it, I bet you'd be dancing with all your might too. I'm, I can just see it right now, making sure that uh, uh, the Lord doesn't strike you dead. All right. Um, God blesses when you do something with all your might. You know, Samson uh, was, is a good example of that. You know, he defeated a, a lot of the Philistines. However, he fell to Delilah's charm, didn't he? He did. He got his hair cut out, off. He lost his strength. He got his eyes put out. Terrible ending, all right? And then he is standing in the temple, and he's praying to the Lord, and he says, show me where the pillars are. And he pushed on that with all his might. And the walls came down. And more Philistines were killed during that time than his whole lifetime. Okay? So it pays to do something uh, with all your might. You can quote this, but I'll quote it for you in Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and this is where you get to speak, and with all thy might. You, I didn't hear you. Let me repeat it, and that way I can hear you this time. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. The other thing I want to talk about is till death do us part. I'm not talking about a wedding. All right. I mean, that's what you hear a lot of times at the head. What I'm talking about is that people that uh, lost their lives because of serving the Lord. You know, John the Baptist got his head cut off. Stephen was stoned. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded. Uh, James the less was thrown from the temple and then beaten. Uh, tradition says most of the apostles were martyred. Some historians say 50 million people, Christians, lost their lives during the Dark Ages. Um, and the Hebrews, turn there, please, 1137, and I will wait for you on this one. Hebrews 1137. The Bible says this. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. Today's Christians in America are not threatened with their very lives. That They are not for what they believe. Down through history, that's not been the case. Uh, uh, 
It takes a different commitment when it's life or death. It's a different commitment. Uh, and, uh, you know, the thief on the cross had already been condemned. He wasn't going to come down off that cross. He was going to pay the punishment. But he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He served the Lord all his life, when, when you think about it. Now, it was a short life, wasn't it? But, but it, he served, served the Lord with all his life. Uh, others in history could have been spared that execution if they had just recanted their so-called false doctrine. They chose to be faithful to the end and receive a crown of life. Uh, a few years ago, we were threatened by the government for fines for a meeting, you know, due to COVID. And, uh, uh, and we've still not seen attendances go back to what they were pre-COVID. It's getting better, but it's still not getting back to where it was. But I wonder what it would really be if the penalty was a lot harsher, such as death. I wonder what it would be. Uh, thankfully, God is not requiring us to lay down our lives. Um, is it asking too much, though, for us to live our lives for him? I don't think so. Uh, in John fifteen twelve, it says this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Believe it or not, I'm ready for a summary. Uh, and I thought I was going to run out of time. So, um, but the summary, um, I want you to turn to Acts 24, 25. Some might say, I will commit to the Lord at a more convenient time. Did you hear me? I will commit to the Lord at a more convenient time. Uh, 24, 25 says this, And he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Felix trembled. He was the governor of Judea. And answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Um, usually, the convenient season never comes. There is never a better time than now. Hebrews chapter 3 and we're going to read 7 and 8. I will wait for you. Hebrews chapter 3, 7 and 8. The Bible says this. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. Next, I'm going to read to you from, about King Agrippa. You know, uh, 
this uh, Felix married his daughter, by the way, just so you know, uh, uh, to get things straight. In Acts 26, 28, uh, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. Um, So what does commitment uh, look like to you? Uh, Are you in it for the long haul? Uh, Are you putting the Lord and his work above yourself? Are you practicing selflessness? Are you serving the Lord with all your might? Will you follow Christ until the end, until death do you part? These are the ways of commitment. They are not the ways of convenience. Thank you, preacher.